Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and Christian living. Crossroads is part of the media ministry at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Get to know us by visiting us online at fapc.org. Hi, I'm Jamie Staley, Director of Christian Education at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. And I am here today with my friend Chris Romine, who is the organizer of Common Ground. Now, you may or may not have heard the name Common Ground before. Um, And so I'm excited to have Chris here today to first tell us uh, a little bit about Common Ground, where Common Ground came from, how it is related to Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, and then uh, to hear how they're doing today and what has been going on with them throughout the pandemic. So thank you, Chris, uh, for joining me today. Mm, and thanks for thanks for having me, Jamie. Uh, it's good to be here. I am, yes, the organizer of Common Ground, and Common Ground is actually a project initiated by Fifth Ave Presbyterian uh, back in 2015 when I was in Divinity School. Uh, Fifth Ave uh, had reached out because they were discerning planting a church through something y'all may have heard of called the Mustard Seed Commission, run by Debbie Mullins and some others. And so we were in contact because I had some church planting history. And as fate would have it, when I finished up grad school in 2017, I moved back to New York, which is where I'm, I'm from, though not raised as a Christian here, and started to gather common ground uh, with the help and support uh, of the uh, Mustard Seed Commission and Fifth Ave broadly. And so in a sense, it's okay if you've never heard of common ground, uh, because we function akin to a local missionary. So there is this initiation that Fifth Ave invited us, uh, a sort of Holy Spirit invitation to initiate a new worshiping community here in New York. And then Fifth Ave sort of sent me out and I started doing on the ground work to organize it, put it together and have it make sense for the folks that uh, it made sense for. And so in a very real sense, I would not be here and Common Ground would not be in existence if not for the help and the prayers and the support of Fifth Ave. And that comes all the way through to today in 2021. Uh, And in 2022 will be our first year that we are sort of serving as an independent entity, an independent body um, from Mm -hmm. Fifth Ave. So it's Mm -hmm. been about four year relationship. It's been really good. I know that um, the mustard seed Mustard Seed Commission, I know that you guys are related to the 1,001 new worshiping communities that the Presbyterian Church USA um, has been doing uh, the last several years. And I'm, can you tell us a little bit about that initiative? Totally. So, yeah, I'm a product of the 1,001 new worshiping communities initiative, which is the church planting and sort of mission arm, a piece of the mission arm of this broader denomination, uh, the Peace USA. It is an effort to look plainly at the social realities of our day that people are actually falling out of church, or at least church attendance is sliding significantly down. And 1001 New Worshiping Communities is not interested in sort of resurrecting the same models, not that there's anything wrong with the model, but just they their task, 1001 is, with imagining and 
and and implementing new forms of community that will mm-hmm. last on into the 21st and 22nd century as long as we care <laughs> for this planet uh and 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 so the, the, what they call these projects of mine, like Common Ground, is uh, our new worshiping communities. Uh, okay. So it doesn't necessarily have to have the church label, uh, though Common Ground in sort of function serves as a church. Mm-hmm. But the, the initiation of Thousand One is to invite new forms, new expressions, new sort of uh, ways of being that embody this Jesus story that we're all following behind and trying to trying to live by. So um, that's kind of a long-winded, but actually Thousand One's very particular to say, not all these things that we initiate are going to be church, quote unquote. They're going to be parachurch. They're going to be tack on things. They're going to be, you know, secular related mm-hmm. things. They're going to be spiritual wanders, et cetera, et cetera. And so Common Ground has come out of that heritage. I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, Common Ground. I know when you first came, it was mostly just conversations with people in the community, but how did that turn into Common Ground? Common Ground started with a a little bit of a mess. Um, It's hard (laughs) to start a church. It's a lot of networking. So my role really for the last three years, but particularly in 2018, was to just be on the ground meeting with folks, all sorts of folks. So my time was split three ways. So first third of my job description was organizers and activists on the ground, just to hear what they're up to, how power moves in New York, uh, some sense, some sensibilities that need to uh, be sort of surfaced and spotlighted if I'm going to grow a new worshiping community. Then it was with people who are already attending church or had fallen out of a church. And really that was just sort of, uh, if you're at a church, why are you still there? That's downloading Intel. That's important to common ground. And if you're not no longer at a church and, or don't associate with this faith, why not? Cause that's also helpful, uh, context and, uh, Intel for common ground to be mindful of and sensitive to. And then the third third, uh, was, was, so it was activists and organizers it was people sort of just on the ground who I was networking with, and it was other churches and other organizations, religiously based organizations that are doing things that we think would be recognizable to common ground. And so it was just a lot of meeting. Uh, I didn't invite anybody into joining common ground or doing anything with it. I just communicated that there was this hopeful vision that this place could be a place of radical belonging that actually dogma and doctrine wouldn't hold us together. I, in fact, care about my own dogma and doctrine, but not so in not in so far as it disconnects me from another or makes another inaccessible to this space that we're trying to craft. So there was a lot of sussing out how we wanted to be as I was having these conversations with others. And then I would say, just as the Holy Spirit does, she naturally drew the folks who would be interested in common ground into, uh, you know, into relationship. And what's really difficult that sort of goes uncelebrated with church planting, but is, is quite exhausting, is for every 10 meetings that a church planter has with someone who says, oh, you should go meet with this other person. They might be interested in your project. There's like 0.5 people who are interested in it. So you're just <laughs> constantly going on meetings, not to try to get people into common ground, but just to sort of get the, the story out. 
Mm-hmm. And those meetings usually end with a really heartfelt handshake and a smile and, uh, and, and the two people move on or the person, mm-hmm. you know, is, is grateful for the conversation and they're, they're, they're not quite interested in common ground, which is also totally okay. But what was surprising to me is I thought that this work would take probably two years to build up some sort of core that would feel like a core of people who are committed to growing common ground. Mm -hmm. And actually that work happened in about nine months and that had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with just alignment, sort of God just putting me and other people who might be interested in this project together. And, uh, here we are a couple, you know, we're about to hit our two year birthday in Pentecost 2021. Hmm. We're about to be two years old. So we're still very, very young. Hmm. I remember, you know, around that one year mark, um, at some point you had uh, or thought about using a different name. Where where did Common Ground come from and how did that what what made you all decide on that? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. And I wish I wish we could have just been on Fifth Ave and just called ourselves Fifth Ave Presbyterian or something because <laughs> our process was so <laughs> annoying. Um, but it was it was appropriate. It was necessary. It was actually quite um formative for me because I basically started common ground with the idea that I will not lead from the front. I'll I'll lead from the back, which is to say, I want others to be profoundly part, intimately part of the conversation and the shaping of common ground. And so we were about like a year old. Yeah, you're right. And we're like, we don't even have a name and who cares? We don't have a website. We don't have a name. We don't know what we're doing. And so we're like, let's just get a couple of people who are interested in building a name or, or figuring out our name together. Okay. So we get about eight of us together and we have like three rounds of names. Some stuff was like just completely meaningless, uh, like just Mercy Chapel because someone liked the name Mercy, but we needed to know, but, but as the process developed, what we needed to know was that the name actually meant something to us. That's sort of what naturally emerged in our, in our processing. And so there was this like final meeting that we had where we picked a name of a church of the church. And we all sort of voted on it out of the four names that we had left. And we all had the same feeling the next day after we voted and we decided it was final. And I even had hit up our website guy and was like, okay, you need to build a website off this URL. And someone wrote in a group text and just said, you know, I know that we voted and I know that we thought that that was the name, but I really feel like we're just doing that because we really all care about common ground. And so we're seeding the fact that none of us really liked that name. And someone else was like, wait, common ground's a great point. That's exactly (laughs) what we're trying to be. And then someone else was like, wait, is that a name? And then, well, it's funny is if you look up common ground, there's no shortage of common ground coffee stores somewhere in the (laughs) the world. Like I know where all of them are now, Mm -hmm. but I, it felt like common ground sort of just landed on us, uh, the, after we had voted another way. And I think that that's a good microcosm. That's a good story of everything that Common Ground is. We just keep sort of, I don't know, walking through the darkness with our hands out awkwardly, sometimes tripping over something and realizing it's a good idea, sometimes tripping over something and realize we shouldn't have tripped over that. (laughs) There's just all sorts of learning and emerging that's happening at Common Ground. And the Common Ground in Common Ground is our commitment to just be loose and and flexible and mutual about all of the decisions that we make. Mm. That's awesome. That's a cool story. 
I feel like you should definitely serve good coffee, though, because it's so related to coffee. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> you don't want me doing that, but I agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We'll we'll, we'll work on that. Um. So w- with you know what kind of what you said about you know being loose and having uh, but making sure that you're all having that common ground. What would you say is the common ground? What do you, what are what are the core values? The core that that you came up with for for common ground. Sure. So that's another process in and of itself. Where about a year later. So we, we, we start gathering as a small group. We're not like a church or we're not anything chartered or formal. We just start gathering as a church in, or sorry, as a group in the middle of 2018. And that takes us about a year where we're still gathering. We're messy. We're lots of people are talking. Like we're not trying to control the narrative. There's people who it's a revolving door. This is all very typical stuff, by the way, for mm-hmm. ch- early church plants at this age. And about a year later, we had enough people, it was about 50, that we said, let's actually just sort of start telling other people in New York about us. So we did a quote-unquote launch, which is another sort of step in the process of church planting. But at the launch, we were like, who, what are we, and what are we doing? (laughs) And so we got another sort of messy group of people together. Uh, The people weren't messy. The group, the forming of the group was (laughs) And we, and we were like, let's, what, what has been natural about common ground? What has drawn you to common ground? And we all sat together and actually I was absent for it. I made sure to not be at this because I didn't want to be the one who was driving the conversation. And we came up with a couple of priorities and those were generosity, uh, hospitality, uh, care, community. There were, there were three priorities and three, uh, ways that we practice those priorities is what we say. And you can find this all on our website too. We also wrote a creed, and that creed basically covered some structure, some structures like, hey, however you are economically, like your debt says nothing about your value. In fact, it says something about this economy and 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 the problems of it. Your wealth says nothing about your value, uh, at least not in God's economy. And so, basically, anywhere you are on that spectrum, we welcome you here. Uh, we are a queer affirming, and not just affirming, but celebrating church. So that means that trans lives matter at Common Ground, and we demonstrate that through our embodied life with our trans siblings at Common Ground. Uh, so queerness is a, a wide and generous spectrum that we continue to commit to learn to, learn into and lean into. And so I would say beyond just what our priorities and practices are, what has really emerged at Common Ground is this radical belonging that is deeply subversive it's disruptive to our sensibilities in this neoliberal world uh, of hyper individualism it's also it's also very slow paced to belong and to be so mutual with another person takes a lot of time if any of us have been in dating relationships or have partners we know that there's just constantly new things emerging and so when you apply that level of commitment to church, maybe not a romantic relationship with, with the people of the church, but what we mean is the, the radical authenticity of being with another and seeing how they're in process and yeah. allowing yourself to be with another and to be in process yourself takes a lot of time. And so what's been really special about Common Ground is that people really feel like they belong. There are people who walk into Common Ground and they're just like, nope, this makes zero sense to mm-hmm. us. And we say, God bless, et cetera. 
But there are people who walk in and go, my God, this is what I've been looking for for years. I've just wanted to belong this way. I've just wanted to be seen this way. I've just wanted to be in embedded in a, 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 a community such as this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we really seem to find alignment with the people who we find alignment with. Mm. And it's okay with the people who we don't because we are quite contextually specific. Like we mm. are a very acquired taste and we're okay <laughs> with that. Let, let's fast forward a little bit um, to COVID times. Uh, I think, you know, it's been hard on, all, well, everyone, but also churches in general um, and then also New York City. So what can, what can you... Um, what what has Common Ground been doing uh, this past year? Uh, how have how have y'all been um, uh, surviving? Yeah, so so if you gave so this isn't my first church plant, it's my third at this point, and I've sort of been rolling around with the church plant life for the last six seven years, and so for whatever that experience is worth, what I can definitely tell you is. If you told a church plant, hey, we got three years of a runway for you to become sustainable, and then that church plant was hit with 18 months of absolutely no on-the-ground, in-person gatherings, mm -hmm. it's basically like, hey, you should fly this plane that has one wing, uh, or it starts off with two wings, but it's going to drop to one real quick, uh, figure it out while you go. So at first, it was like terrifying because we we're like, my God. This it's already hard enough to start a new community, and what roadmap do we have to figure out new community life and the growth of it, like the the sort of development of it when we're in yeah. the middle of a pandemic? Not least the 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 literal like ground zero for the pandemic in America, and so at first we just we were nervous. I would say the nervousness lasted like two weeks until mm -hmm. our leadership team was like, okay, so what do we do? Because on the flip side, the benefit of being seven months old when we step into the pandemic is that no one is really married to any form of being at Common Ground. Like people aren't in the rhythm of coming every Sunday. We don't have this thriving fill in the blank program that now needs to get suspended. So there's some benefit and some flexibility that we were young enough to to adjust and pivot quickly. Uh, I, I know that that's a lot harder for churches that have historic uh, stories and have a longer heritage of being, mm -hmm. you know, sun, every Sunday, like in Fifth Ave's case, which is over, what, a century? More than a century, mm -hmm. century and a half. And so, yeah, seven months to a century and a half, huge difference, which allowed us the flexibility to still gather on Sundays in this very intimate space. We make sure that it's Zoom so that there could be some sort of talk back. Again, the mutuality and the belonging that's so important to Common Ground means that in our practices, not least on Sunday, we really want to be that a conversational. We really sort of want to be at a table, having a figurative table, having a conversation about the good news, where mm -hmm. it's showing up around us. And so Sundays shifted to Zoom. I would say any, it's fluctuated throughout um, the last year, this past Sunday, we had about 50 screens, probably 70 people online. The beginning wow, of pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it was good. We also had a really excellent guest preacher in Dr. Will Gaffney, who's a, mm. a Old Testament theologian at Bright Divinity. Mm. And she was absolutely excellent. But 
Yeah, so the beginning of the pandemic, we started maybe with like 40 screens, so 50 people. Sometimes we dropped down to like 15 screens. And so it's funny to even be having a conversation. I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be having a conversation about how many screens there were on a, a Sunday, <laughs> but here we are. So we would do we would have a Sunday service that's really dressed down and would create dialogue. So it made we made it imperative that we did Zoom meetings. What we also did was start some small groups. So some of that was we would buy an audiobook uh, and or a book to accompany it, the same book as the audiobook to accompany it. We would listen to it and then gather as a small group once a week on Zoom. But then we started to pay attention to the fact that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I imagine if you're not a robot that we're exhausted by Zoom, all of us. Um, we're, yes, exa we're exhausted absolutely. by having to show up to this space. And so we just started to go into hibernation, intentional hibernation. Oh. And that was really meaningful because actually everybody, that's what everybody needed. Uh, everybody at Common Ground was tired of a nine to five on Zoom and then having to show up with their weekends on Zoom. We were getting tired. And so we mm -hmm. took some intentional breaks from things that we would always meet on Sunday, but we'd run the small group for maybe three months. We did an anti-racist training, which was absolutely awesome. And then created small groups out of that. That lasted about 11 weeks. And then we took a break. And then there has just been some rhythms to our gathering that have relied on Sunday. And then I would say what's happened out of Sunday is actually people are getting to know each other on the side. And there's a little bit of some social energy that's building at Common Ground. Hmm. And from that, we've just become incredibly intimate. We've actually moved from strangers to some pretty close friends. We've shared some hardships together. We've been through a lot together. I mean, anyone who goes through a pandemic in New York City as a new community, you're bound. It's it's uh, mm -hmm. it's something that you're you're tied into with another. And so, I would say that recently we have really relied on Sunday stuff, and what we're starting to ramp up now because there's a lot of optimism of a reopening is we're we're gonna we're gonna relaunch groups. Mm -hmm. And we're going to relaunch some in-person stuff in a hybrid type model. But to answer your question, we really just Zoom allowed us to become dear friends. And mm -hmm. I would say it didn't build us in mass. Like we grew significantly during COVID mm -hmm. because I think people grew tired of the evangelical structure at a faster pace than mm -hmm. <laughs> before COVID. And so then they found common ground. Mm -hmm. But we really shut down. We shut down the production element of anything that we were doing, and really turned to deep conversations. And that mm -hmm. worked for a lot of people, and it didn't work for some. And yeah. we come out of COVID a uh, really close, tight knit community now. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting that you say that. I've been a part of a women's Bible study at Fifth Ave that has met on Zoom weekly since COVID started, and I'll tell you that I haven't. I probably didn't, I, I knew these women before, um, but I feel like I know them so much better now um, just because we've taken that time to like be on screens just in a small group. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed that. I'm excited to see them in person someday, but <laughs> for now I, I've really enjoyed that kind of intimate getting to know each other on a deeper level, you know, it's been, Likewise. It's been good. Yeah. Likewise. I think COVID has really, to expand on that, something that I think the church as an institution and definitely Common Ground needs to wrestle with. And definitely Common Ground has an advantage here because of all the things I named earlier, like mm -hmm. a young heritage, so we can pivot. But I think something that the church is really going to have to wrestle with is we know that people are tending 
Sunday worship less and less and less and less and less and -hmm. less over the last 20 years. And we know that people my age, I'm 37, I mean, the numbers are astounding how many folks are not engaged in Sunday. But what we found in COVID, especially at Common Ground, is there's an eagerness to connect and belong. Mm -hmm. And there's an eagerness to be in relationship with another but maybe not the same eagerness applied as showing up on Sunday. So I think what COVID did is it's going to, it really popped the top off the, the, it opened a can of worms. That's a necessary (laughs) can of worms for every church to, I think, wrestle with Mm. of how necessary is Sunday as, and I mean, this has its own theological implications, but Mm. how necessary is driving our community to be gathering on Sunday every week when, What have we learned from COVID? Everyone is saying something similar to what you just said, Jamie, which is, hey, you know, I really thought I needed Sundays and I'm not so sure because I have this excellent fill in the blank group that I've been doing. And that's like my church. That's Mm. that's like my Christian adult formation. That is Mm. my Bible study. That is, and it checks a lot of boxes. And so Mm. what Common Ground's wrestling with is just to honor where people are at. We're all excited to get back in person and we're all excited to do Sunday stuff. But make no mistake, there is a lot of learning that we've done and that all of us have done, we at Common Ground have done, and I, I hope all churches have done, about the way people have still found community during COVID in the absence of in, in-person embodied community worship on Sundays. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned that you are excited to get back together. And without giving like dates, because I know that everything is always still up in the air, what... Um, what are you what is what are you looking for common ground maybe some new things or maybe some different ways of doing things that you you all have talked about when you are able to get back in person sure and thanks for thanks for prefacing it with i know anything can change but actually <laughs> we didn't talk about this before I, I we we are pretty sold at common ground towards a a particular model um and that's come out of a lot of community conversation and a lot of conversation with the 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 leadership and it's going to look something like this if we're honest most people don't show up to sunday worship every week uh basically every a study was done a few years ago by pew that showed about two out of four sundays a month is the maximum that people show it's the average rather so the maximum that people show is maybe three uh, for you who was listening, who goes to Sunday every, you know, every Sunday, that's absolutely excellent. Keep doing that. Um, it's just, we're paying attention to some numbers that are, pe- people are sort of not about being there every week. It's just regular life stuff. Yeah. Go to the beach or whatever, go on a hike, something like that. So when we started talking to people at Common Ground, we were like, how, if we started gathering every week, would you come every week? And people are like, no. Right. And and we're like, well, how many times would you come? And it's usually like, well, probably once or twice a month. If, I mean, if you if you had a small group, I'd be there all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you have a Sunday, probably not. Uh, and so we thought, we looked at our leadership team and all the people that would be responsible for Sunday. We had a big talk about all the intel that we downloaded and all the feedback that we got. And we sort of landed on this. We think that come September, we will wait until September just because we want to make sure that there is a, 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 a complete, a completely safe on-ramp for people to return to worship. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a really good momentum now, and we believe that July things are going to start to open up. But So then why not maybe do like a homecoming or a kickoff in the fall, akin to what mm-hmm. Fifth Ave does? And maybe we gather once a month in person, mm-hmm. 
on a Sunday. And then the other Sundays are virtual, which will remain similar to what we're doing now, which is conversational. Then we'll do three eight-week cycles a year of small groups in person. So let's say September, October, January, February, May, June. So three eight-week cycles of in-person small groups. And then each month we add another in-person something, which is either going to be a mission project locally, like helping out at uh, the Immigration Resource Center to help people apply who don't have English as their first language for their asylum paperwork, maybe link up with the Hudson River Keeper, who is helping teach about how to sustain and keep healthy our Hudson watershed, or something that's just something that just adds our hands and feet to good work mm-hmm. happening around, right? Or and or do a social event and or do a worship night, which would be like a praise and sing and pray and all that stuff on like a mm-hmm. Friday night. So when we look at that model, we go, okay, so Sunday's in person once. If it's September, October, every single day, every single week, we have one day of in-person small group and then maybe one more thing that month that's in person. And we think that's enough. Mm-hmm. And we think actually that patterns the life that people were already living before COVID. But mm-hmm. here's what it also does. Think about how much our bodies have spoken to us and let us know what's what's going on in them as COVID has slowed all of us down. Mm-hmm. And at Common Ground, we want to pay ample attention to what all of our bodies have told us, which is you really needed rest. You were moving mm-hmm. fast, uh, friend. And, and, and so mm-hmm. I think that what we're trying to do is honor the capacity of the people responsible for putting Sundays together. And look, let's just be real. In church work, Sunday takes a lot of hours, a lot of money, and a lot of resource, a lot of energy. Mm. And we would like to take all of that energy and distribute it into things that are maybe more a little communally focused at Common Mm. Ground. Not that we have a problem with anyone else who gathers on every single Sunday in person. Just Mm -hmm. we think we're young enough to pivot and pay attention to the crowd that is at Common Ground that's saying, I mean, sure, you can show up every 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 Sunday and <laughs> and set up chairs and all that stuff. Uh, and I'll be there once a month. Can't wait to be there once a month. <laughs> so if we so if we have it once a month, then we'll just tell everyone, please set that you know that Sunday aside. Please yeah. set that weekend aside. And we think that we'll actually siphon people into that Sunday. We'll get more to show, and we'll get a richer experience. And mm. the exchange is, hey, stay at home on Sundays and watch a church service online. As a church planter, you've planted a few churches before this. Is that something that you see yourself continuing to do um, in the future? Or where, where do you see your your calling? Yeah, thanks for asking that. So I'm a I'm sort of a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> so before I was a church planter, I was planting, I was starting a firm here in New York City, a a consulting firm, a small one for logistics and distribution. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what, then I became, then I became a Christian and then started working for this church that said, oh, you have entrepreneurial skills, you should plant a church. And now Mm -hmm. look at me, a sucker (laughs) for punishment like eight years later. Because I don't know, I don't love the feeling of serial entrepreneurship and I'm also sort of addicted to it. So I just want to be honest about who I am and where I'm at. So, so I don't think I'll plant another church. And that's really because I love what common ground is doing. It Mm. feels so authentic and so just true to, to, to what's meaningful to all of us that I think this is, 
sort of a pride and, and joy for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm uplifted and challenged and encouraged by it as much as anybody else is, if not more. I'm just internally grateful for this season that I've had. And this season isn't ending anytime soon. The 1001 Project and Peace USA has sort of spotlighted us as a, a, a community that's trying new things and they've resourced us. Like they're giving oh, cool. us some interns and paying us for, for grants to, and they're sending people to train with us to learn how to church plant. So there's a lot of good things that the denomination is giving back for Common Grounds work. So I'm here for a bit. Chris, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. How um, how can Fifth Avenue and, and people listening to this podcast continue to support uh, you guys at Common Ground? Sure. So I think that the power of prayer is is mm-hmm. is important to note here. Um, for as much as we are interrogating some harmful theologies here at Common Ground, we also earnestly uh, believe and validate the power of prayer. So first would be just if you can lift up to the creator some hope and some good vibes for something that's new and initiated Mm. here in New York City in our backyard, that would be great. Church planting and really church plants, it's it's a thankless work. It's very, very hard. It's a sort of invisible work. It's a, it's constantly on the ground. It's a lot of frontline work hmm. in, in terms of ministry context. And so it can be hard. So I'm not asking for a thank you. It doesn't, I'm not saying it's <laughs> thankless work. And so thank me it's thankless work. And so pray for us because hmm. for, you know, if you're someone who has 10 meetings with 10 people and one person is really the only one that this clicked with that adds up over time and can be tiring. Right. Hmm. But I would say beyond just praying for the church planter that you all are supporting um, in me, pray for Common Grounders because Common Ground is a place that is helping to field, care for, bind up some abuse and some trauma that has come from religious spaces. So Mm -hmm. uh, most of our community are ex-evangelicals. So people who have had a really bad experience or some sort of gaslighting or narcissism in their past and really are coming here to heal. And those are folks, particularly trans folks, particularly people of color who have been stuck under white theologies, particularly queer people who have been in anti-queer spaces. Uh, these are folks who are, are on the soci- social and sociological margins of our society that are finding a home at Common Ground. And y'all, if you know what it's like to be wounded by another, that wound can persist into new spaces. And so Common Ground is this place that's very careful to validate everyone's experience and to hold closely and to tend to carefully what is what was bad news that maybe for many of y'all listeners is really good news, which mm-hmm. is an experience with the church. And so we just happen to be this thing that we think God is using to be a re-entry point into a Christian community. And Mm. that is very, very tiring uh, and sometimes scary work. And so just prayers all around for bravery and and, and courage for the people who continue to call Common Ground home when they don't have to, uh, Mm. because this is is a consent business. Um, And so, yeah, that would be valued. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for um, letting us know what we can do. 
Well, I think we are out of time, but uh, again, thank you so much, Chris, uh, for joining me. I know um, some some of us know about Common Ground, but I, you know, I'm excited to have this conversation because I feel like we hadn't connected in a while, and um, I hadn't heard what was going on during the pandemic because that's just the way things are going right now. Um, so thank you again uh, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Crossroads. Managing editor, Jamie Staley, and editors, Vishina Brisbane, Kelly Pacayo, and Emily Dombrough.